Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring the Michael McCoy Show. All right, all right, all right, everybody. Good afternoon. Happy Monday. It is December 7th, 2020, the very first Monday of December 2020. And thank you very much for listening to the Michael McCoy Show. I'm your host, Michael McCoy. And... um I'm happy to be back. I got a little explaining to do for those of you that may have tuned in last week and may have been a little bit thrown off by last week's episode. So um, let's get to that first before we get into uh, today's topics. First of all, I want to start off by saying happy Thanksgiving because last week's episode was recorded two weeks ago. Why? Everybody knows this is a a pre-recorded show. Um, That show was recorded the week of Thanksgiving, but did not air the week of Thanksgiving due to the studio being closed because of the holiday. So um, with that being said, I hope everyone had a glorious Thanksgiving and is having a great holiday season thus far. Um, Glad to be back, man. Got a lot to take. I'm sorry. Got a lot to talk about. Uh, We're going to talk about college football, of course. Uh, one of the greatest sports in the world. Uh, the Canes had a game on Saturday. We're obviously going to talk about that. Uh, weird, weird week in the National Football League. Definitely going to talk about some scenarios, playoff scenarios, and some games that just kind of had my eyes popping out of my sockets. And it was just <laughs> crazy to talk about some throwback names that we'll get into. Um, had significant roles in games played yesterday. And of course, NBA talk. The season is ramping up. Training camps have started. Players are practicing. Kevin Durant is practicing. Holy crap. So let's do it. Let's get right into things. And actually, I, I got to say one thing. Um, I already wished everyone, you know, a happy holidays and hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. And like I said, I'm doing this because last week's episode was recorded two weeks uh, ago. And I really wasn't able to express what I'm thankful for. One of the things that I am thankful for, guys, is this platform. And um, just got to give a shout out to uh, Larry Million, the amigo. And if you guys listened to his show this morning, I mean, he and Frank, they're a great team, great tandem. Guys, I I just want to say, man, this brings me a lot of joy. Super thanks for giving me, allowing me this platform. You guys know that I love to do this. And I look forward to bringing it every week good content as best i can and you guys let me be myself and you know talk about what i want to talk about how i want to talk about it so uh i just want to say thank you for it. that's one of the many things i'm thankful for and so uh yeah i just wanted to put that out there and say that i really appreciate you uh believing in me and the things that i can bring to slam radio here on sirius xm channel 145 all right all right, so college football, we're going to start off there, man. We're going to start off there. Got some Canes football to talk about uh, in a couple segments. Next segment, we're going to talk to one of my favorite Kane moms, okay? And I'll get into that later. But um, college football, man, let's, let, let's start with the college football rankings, all right? The college football playoff rankings. And uh, we'll take a look ahead into this week of college football. So the college football rankings, man, Ah, I mean, I don't know where to begin. There's a bunch of things that can be said about, you know, the the, the playoff rankings. And some people take them seriously uh, this early. Some people don't. 
you know, you probably shouldn't because, of course, it's, you know, it's real early. The first uh, college football rankings came out a couple weeks ago. But um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, the initial rankings, which, like I said, you really probably shouldn't put too much stock into. But my thing was, you know, it came out of left field for me that there was this big fuss about Brigham Young University, okay, BYU, the Cougars, and and their initial playoff ranking position, their their initial uh, placement in the polls, and I was wondering why, like what, like how, why? Tell me, I don't, I don't get it. I, I believe they started off at fourteen, okay, a couple Tuesdays ago, and so it just threw me for a loop that everyone on that college football ranking show on ESPN, that seemed to be like their big thing, their biggest surprise when asked, oh, what stands out to you the most? And one of those people was somebody that I really appreciate and, and care um, care about what he has to say, and I respect his opinion, Kirk Herbstreet. And, <clears throat> excuse me, he was just really confused. And my thing is, why? Like, I don't get it, you know? And, you know, they made this big thing about how physical they are and how good they look offensively, yada, 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 yada. And I just expected more out of guys in that position because when you look at them and what they've done, yes, you know, you got to give credit when credit's due about winning games. But when you beat teams like Navy 55 to three, Okay, Troy, they win big 48 to 7. They're putting up points. Louisiana Tech 45 to 14. They beat them. They escape, uh, you know, with victory by their teeth uh, 27 to 20 against the University of uh, Texas San Antonio. Okay, UTSA, the Roadrunners. They're putting up points in the 40s and 50s almost every game. But they're not playing anybody. They're not playing anybody. And so supposedly they were ducking, you know, Washington. And I don't know what if there's any truth behind that. I don't pay attention to either program that much to uh to decipher if it was true or not. But then, then, you know, there's COVID situation with scheduling and there had to be some movement and, you know, they needed an opponent. And then all of a sudden they say, okay, you know what? We'll take Coastal Carolina. We'll travel across the country and we'll play at Coastal Carolina, wherever that is. I mean, obviously in the Carolinas, but I don't even know if it's North or South Carolina, to be quite honest with you. Coastal Carolina is having a season because they're just surprising everybody. All right. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, are they? Yes, they're undefeated. They're 10 and 0, 6 and 0 at home. Currently number 20, I'm sorry, number 18 in the polls. BYU travels across the country and they lose to the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. I don't even know what a Chanticleer is. I'm looking at their logo and it looks like a turkey. Okay. But, um, and, you know, they lose. They absolutely went across the country and lost. Now BYU sitting at, sitting at nine and one, three and one on the road. And Coastal Carolina, as previously mentioned, 10 and 0, 6 and 0 on the road. And I'm just like, can we put that to bed already? Because I just don't understand what the initial fuss was about BYU being underappreciated. Excuse me, they haven't beaten anybody. All right, they haven't beaten anybody. And if you're going to get on the univer- if you're going to get on the University of Miami for quote unquote not beating anybody, then you got to put that up on BYU as well. At least UM is beating Power Five teams, okay, ACC teams, and their only loss just so happens to be against oh, I'm sorry, one of the best teams in college football. All right. And a guy that's probably going to go first overall in next April's draft, maybe, 
because if I'm Trevor Lawrence right now, the last thing I want to do is play for Adam Gates and the Jets, assuming Adam Gates is still the coach. If he is, God help every New York Jets fan in the universe because holy cow if that happens. But, yeah, I mean, you know, can we finally put that to bed that BYU is just uh, – they should have never been a thing that everybody was talking about because it was just, you know, it was just weird. But um, something else that caught my eye that I wanted to talk about was uh, the supposed rumors about this being Nick Saban's last year in, Tus- in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, saying that, uh, you know, he's going to retire after this year. So there was a tweet that I saw by somebody by the name of Dan Cilio. And if you're not familiar with who that is, Dan Cilio is a former defensive tackle for the University of Miami back in the 80s. I believe he played alongside Jerome uh, Jerome Brown and um, won a championship or two, you know, in the 80s. So, you know, he has a radio show, has a Twitter account, so on and so forth. And he said that there were rumblings within the Alabama program that this was Saban's last season. Um, I'm not here to confirm nor deny those 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 rumors, but I am here to give my opinion on them, and I hope that those rumors are 100 absolutely, I'm sorry, absolutely 100% false. Yes, that's right. I said it, false, because college football needs guys like Nick Saban, okay? Say what you want about the guy, and um, again, I've brought Nick Saban up in past shows, and um, I've given my opinion about him, Uh the, the the people that I noticed that have a dislike towards Saban tend to be Miami Dolphins fans. And if there is more of a national uh, perspective or national whatever you want to call it about people disliking Nick Saban, I'm really not aware of it because, I mean, I live in Miami. And the only reason that I know of Miami fans or, yeah, Miami people that live in Miami disliking him is because they're Dolphins fans and how he gypped the Dolphins several years ago. They need to get over it. You know, they got a good coach right now in Brian Flores who we'll talk about in a little bit. And um, that was just so long ago. Like, come on. Like, that's just ridiculous. Nick Saban is a great, uh, is a great college football coach. And when you think about long tenured college football coaches, the sport needs more of that, in my opinion, because uh, when you think about guys like Joe Paterno, Bobby Bowden, uh, Frank Beamer, uh, even Steve Spurrier. I, I was a fan of, you know, all those guys as coaches, you know what I mean? And uh, Nick Saban falls in line with one of those guys. I'm sorry, with all of those guys. And it's just, you know, I, I like to see that the guy wins. Okay. Say what you want about, uh, you know, his, his, his demeanor or whatever, but I'd like to play for a coach like that. I really would because, you know, he pushes, he pushes his players, his players obviously respect what he has to say and he gets results. I mean, what more do you want? What more do you want? You know, there's too much movement nowadays, in my opinion, in college football and uh, in terms of coaches. And I believe that's a big reason as to why you see a lot of movement in terms of players transferring, to be honest, because players don't sign with schools, how they should, they sign with coaches, how they should not. And, you know, that's what, what's, like the main thing that you should be taught as a recruit. I know recruiting has changed big time. And we're going to talk about recruiting in the next segment, by the way. Uh, I have a really special guest that I think everybody's going to want, want to hear from. But um, yeah, man, uh, players absolutely sign with coaches, 
coordinators, position coaches. I mean, these are the people that they spend most of their time with, but that shouldn't be the case because these coaches aren't going to be giving these recruits their degrees in however many years they're in school. Okay. So I, I really hope that those rumors are false about that um, because I think it'd be terrible, you know? So uh, I want to take a look ahead into this week in college football and talk about um this Michigan-Ohio State game because, oh boy, it's not looking good for the Michigan Wolverines, a team that I've always I've always been a fan of, okay? I, let me clarify because everybody knows where my heart lies in terms of college football. I bleed orange and green. And so, um, but for whatever reason, I've always liked to see Michigan win. I don't know if it's their colors, their stadium, whatever it is, I don't know. But then I became more interested in the program once Jim Harbaugh was named their head coach. Why? I'm a 49ers fan. And I love Harbaugh, you know, was decent as a player, you know, chippy guy, say what you want about him, you're a little quirky, whatever, fine. But uh, he did wonders for my Niners in his tenure there as a head coach. And I loved to see him do, I would have loved to see him do well in Michigan. Not sure why that program never caught uh, fire how he did at Stanford, you would have thought that, you know, maybe the same type of uh, system would have worked at Michigan, you know, that especially that ground and pound and all that stuff, but it, it hasn't. Well, Michigan travels to number four, Ohio State on Saturday. And let me tell you something. It's a 29 and a half point spread, which is the largest that Michigan has faced in any game since 1978. No, I'm not smart enough to come up with that stat. Thank you, ESPN. Uh, but this game also kicks off at noon, so it tells you what the national perception is about this game. Gosh, Harbaugh, I hope that you pull one out of you know out of you know what, and just don't get embarrassed, man. The chances of that happening probably do not look good because Michigan. I I, I don't get it. The recruiting has been good okay it's been decent it's been you know top 10 and where it belongs i mean they're michigan they're big blue they're they're the wolverines i just don't understand what's going on over there and it's probably going to be uh harbaugh's last season which kind of stinks because i like him in college football i think i feel that's where he belongs he obviously can coach in the nfl uh i don't know where his heart lies i don't know where what he considers himself but man that's one of those guys that i was really rooting for and that's uh, just something that I hate to see happen. But in the next segment, guys, uh, we're going to talk some recruiting. And we're going to talk with one of my favorite Kane moms, Shay Howard. If the name sounds familiar, it should. Uh, mother of Tracy Howard, former five-star recruit out of Miramar Senior High School, former number one quarterback uh, in the country in his senior season, ended up committing to the University of Miami. It was between... Uh, the Gators and Miami. We're going to talk to her about recruiting. Why? Because the early signing period is fast approaching, guys. And so um, recruiting is heating up all over the country. And I figured it'd be a good time to talk about it. Um, you'll find out why in the next segment. I go into that a little deeper. But I'm running out of time right now. And so uh, keep it locked here on the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Again, glad to be back on air, man. It's been, uh, you know, a couple weeks since I've been doing this because, like I said, last week's episode was recorded two weeks ago. So, in, in, in essence, I kind of had a week off. Uh, so, we'll be back, guys. Just keep it locked here, and I'll see you on the other side of the break. 
You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking, I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't. You I don't call know. him that, I call him Tunga Vailoa, whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for sticking with me throughout that last break. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio. As promised, um, we're going to get into some college football talk. And there's been some recruiting news in the news lately. And I figured that it would be a good time to talk about it because of what's been going on with Kings football in the background. and um, the signing, the, the first signing day, I'm sorry, the early period signing day is officially among, among us. It's coming up pretty soon. And so with that being said, one of my favorite Kings moms of all time is Tracy Howard's mom, Shay Howard. She's on the line with us right now. And I figured, you know, let's talk to her. Let's, let's, let's get into a talk about the business of recruiting. And I think she'd be really good to talk to about that, especially considering the situation that went down with Tim Burns a couple of weeks ago in Miami, uh, you know, getting his decommitment. So with that being said, Shay, how are you doing? Hi, Mike. How are you? Thanks for having me on your show. No problem. Long time. No see. Everything good? Everything's great. How about yourself? Can't complain. Can't complain. Semester's almost over. I'll finally be walking across that stage in a couple of weeks. So All I right. Could be more thrilled. Could be more thrilled. All Thank right. you. So, Shay, um, like I said, I emailed you a couple of weeks ago. Thank you for coming on again. I really appreciate right. that. And so um, let, let's, let, let's get into it. We got 16 minutes to talk about recruiting. And let's so <laughs> um, that situation, just to set things off, uh, to start things off, the situation with Miami Northwestern and the University of Miami Hurricanes a couple of weeks ago, Tim Burns receives, uh, I'm sorry, Miami receives his decommitment. And then there was some back and forth between fans and how they were upset because uh, Tim Burns' mom came out, I believe it was a Facebook post. And if you read between the lines, you pretty much can see that 
it looked like a drop. You know, Miami gave Ooh. me the opportunity to decommit. And it, from the outside looking in, I'm not here to put right. an official stamp on it. That's what it looked like. Okay. So uh -huh. with that being said, you know, people were upset because this is a guy that really, really wanted to come here, wore University of Miami on his sleeve, literally and figuratively. And everybody always talks about, the staff always talks about getting guys that want to be here, okay? Especially right. a local guy from a pipeline school like Miami Northwestern, how can you let that go? Whatever, right. it happened. So then it had me thinking, you know, the business of recruiting. And so um, I wanted to ask you, in terms of, you know, parents that kind of restrict their children or don't want their children to go to certain schools, um, how, how, how do you feel about that? Do you think that there's ever a good reason for parents that do not allow their children to not go to a school of their choice? Or were you and Mr. Howard ever on that side of things to not let Tracy go somewhere? You know, when you sent me that question, I thought about that, um, that question. Because the thing is, Tracy got to go wherever school he wanted to go. We didn't restrict Tracy from any school per se. Um, because like I told Tracy, no matter what school you go to, whether it was Miami or a school or USC in California, I was going to be at every game anyway. So it really didn't um, matter. And for the most part, it has to be that child's decision, mm -hmm. because at that point, they're finished school. They're coming into their grown man years. Right. And if anything happens and it doesn't go their way, they're going to you force them to go to that school or not go to this school. Whatever happens, you don't want the you don't want the child to place a blame on you. Right. Sure. At that point, it has to be their decision. Now, if a parent restricts their child from going to a certain school, it can be for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe I don't know, maybe their child is dating some girl that the parent don't want them to date because, <laughs> you know, they won't keep their head on straight. I don't know. I, I, I can't think of why else would you restrict the child from going to a school? Okay. Um, I, maybe the parents see the kid getting in trouble at a certain school for whatever reason. That's the only thing I would see. Okay. Um, or maybe the parents just selfish and you know what? I don't want to travel that far to see you play. I want to be able to just you know drive down the street and see you play. Okay. I don't think that's a, that's good, but you know. I hear you. I hear you. And so, all right. So, I mean, I wanted to ask you that because um, not that that the Tim Burns situation had anything to do with that. It was just mm -hmm. we see that a lot. We see. Right. I can't remember which commit it was. It was a long time ago. It was a running back. Uh, one of the, one of some one of Broward's running backs uh, back in the day, and his mom wouldn't sign the national letter of intent. Oh, I, oh, I remember that. <laughs> and that I was just that. really really funny. And so I, apparently he ended up going to Arkansas. I can't remember his player's yeah. name. Not that it matters. I can't remember but, the kid. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and it was just funny. So you know, but um, let's talk. Let's talk about you know the whole you know the business part of it. Tell me from a parent, what is it that you look for in terms of okay, I want, this is what I want for my child. Obviously education is probably mm -hmm. the number one thing, but uh, okay. So we, t tell me from a parent's point of view, how's that like? Well, I can tell you from my point of view, um, I want to Tracy to go to a good school, of course, um, right. definitely a school that's top in education. Um, football to me was second or third, whatever. I mean, Tracy wants to play football. I mean, I don't play football, so I can care less <laughs> about that aspect of it. Um, but um education and um, the surroundings, like how the coaches are, mm -hmm. even though you really can't base on that because coaches come and go from school. True. But how the program is ran, pretty much. Okay. How the program okay. is ran. Um, and of course you do want them to go to a good football program. If you have a child right. that's like a, I mean, I guess they give them stars, four or five star. Of course you want them to go to a school if they're gonna play football, Absolutely. a good football yeah. school. 
also. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I'm my children aren't of age yet, but not I'm yet. Not yet. <laughs> uh, but you know, if they are in that position to you know be fortunate enough to get recruited, definitely education because you know athlete athletics does end at some point, and you got to fall back on something. So absolutely. Um, that's 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 no question there. In terms of the business of recruiting, um, whether it be from coaches, other recruits, because obviously you're friends with, uh, you know, Duke Johnson and so other, you know, you, you oh, know yeah. Tracy's mm-hmm. friends, you know Tracy's friends. Right. So yeah. whether it comes from coaches, other recruits, or another parents, other recruits, parents that you talk to, mm-hmm. tell us what you learned that made you say, okay, this is a business. Like, yeah, they want my son, they want Tracy, but just stay looking out for themselves as well is was there ever a point that you felt like that um oh yeah absolutely from the very beginning I mean I know it's a business it's, I mean yeah Tracy they want they want to win games that's the bottom line I don't right. know who your child is um they want good kids who can play football to win them games that's the bottom line okay. um, and I knew okay. that going in right which is why we only entertain schools that Tracy was actually interested in I mm-hmm. mean the male, I mean, the recruiting stuff, it's its crazy if you let it get crazy. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're getting stacks of mail at my P.O. box at my home at the school. I mean, we're talking about like um, gallons, big old, you know, like say a 50 gallon pail wow. of letters and cards and just all kind of stuff. It was, it was, it was crazy. It was just unbelievable. That, I, I, I didn't um, think that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you were done. Go ahead. No, no, it, no, it's it. it, it it's, I wish I had, I wish I had, I wish I could show you, but yeah, it was crazy. I thought that was movie type stuff. I didn't think it was No, real. no, it's, <laughs> no, no, it's real. And I'm talking about Tracy probably, and I'm not even exaggerating. He probably got like 5,000 letters or something. Oh my God. I mean, because the schools, I mean, I, they, some of them would send things every day, like every wow. single day. They're sending a letter or a card or something. Um, wow. But like I said, we didn't entertain schools we weren't interested in. Like for of instance, I'm just throwing, and, and, and nothing against the schools, I'm just throwing school out there. Like, say, for instance, Notre Dame recruitment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I knew he was interested in going to Notre Dame, so why would right. we even, like, meet with True. those coaches, no, those coaches? And some people, they do it because they want the attention and stuff like that. But no, first of all, I didn't have time to do that. I didn't want to waste <laughs> my time or their time. Right. So we weren't doing that. Because, um, yeah, it, like, it is a business. Okay. It, it's, it's a business. Um, okay. And you just have to treat it as such. It's fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun in the beginning. Mm-hmm. When it gets down to the wire, it gets a little bit stressful. Um, okay. Once it gets down to, okay, where are you going? You exactly. got to make it. No, yeah, I mean, it's got to be gotta tough, especially, you know, not only for parents, but to actually recruit himself. Tracy, in his case, he was the number one cornerback in the country, which means everybody wanted him. And you just made an example of how the male, th- what I thought was a movie thing, is a real no, thing. No, absolutely not. No, I mean, it's a real did, thing. Did you guys even open all of that stuff? I mean, I could imagine like. Absolutely not, Mike. No, <laughs> no, 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 I, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's got to be hectic. Um. Was that being on that? Because you kind of segued perfect into my next question. Mm-hmm. Got a ton of mail, phone calls, texts, all of that stuff. Uh, I was gonna ask you how hectic it could get, but no. Uh, was that something that you felt that was handled, you know, well as a family, or was it overwhelming to the point that you wanted it to be over? And I mean, is there anything that you would have done different if you had another chance to do it again? No, I think we handled it well. I mean, it's mail. You just throw it out. You don't have to read it. Just throw it out. I mean. <laughs> Especially if it's from a school that you know your child's not going to go to. True, I mean, true. No, and the thing is, Tracy didn't really get into all that. Like, Tracy didn't have, 
it's, it's, I don't know, recruiting to me is different. What I see the kids do now, these guys do now. Like oh, Tracy very. wasn't on Twitter. He mm-hmm. wasn't talking about what he was doing. I mean, and then he didn't commit. And the, a lot of times too, these kids, they commit early. I mean, you're in, yeah. um, you're a junior in high school, you're committing. You might want to go to that school now, but you may not know what you want to do a year from Thank now. So you. personally, I don't believe in the committing that early. That's just me personally, because mm-hmm. things can change. Um, before the actual signing day. So Tracy didn't even commit until signing day. Is that something that you and Mr. Howard told Tracy? Correct me if I'm wrong or stop me in my, in my <clears throat> sentence, in my tracks if I'm wrong. Listen, commit if you want to, but we don't think you should because X, Y, Z as a junior, let's say. Is that something you guys kind of put in his head? No, he, no, that was his decision because he didn't really want to commit either because the thing is, he kind of knew that okay. it was hard. He wasn't sure. Right. what he wanted to do i mean he probably, he probably thought he was sure sometimes but then you go that's the thing you talk to another coach from this school yep you know and it's like oh my god i don't know what i want to do mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know because it was out of the big three for him exactly but I, you know the miami the fsu and the gators you know right. so right. and they were all good at recruiting but i mean you can only yep. pick one you can, you can only, only pick, pick one. one. You can only pick one. Only I'll pick never one. forget long time ago, and I don't know if it's happened ever since, but every I'll never mm-hmm. forget his name. His name is Jonathan Cologne. He was a former uh, offensive lineman for Miami Central, and it was between uh-huh. Miami and the and the Gators. He signed letters uh-huh. of intent for both schools <gasps> and Wait, faxed them <laughs> and faxed them both. Okay. So he what? ended up going, yeah, it ended up getting under investigation or something like that. And he ended up playing for the Gators because they got the facts before Miami did. So he signed them both. But if Miami would have got the facts first, he would have been going to Miami. And that was just a mess. Now I'll that's when the that. parent has to step in though. That see that yep. that's okay. Now I understand, yeah. You I you let your child um just make his own decision, but as an adult, the adult has to step and say, that's not right. You can't yeah. do that. Yeah. Like you have to pick one. We're not, you're not sending in two letters of intent. That's just crazy. Especially <laughs> if like, okay, you made the decision to go out of state, out of state, out of the town, whatever it is. And you're going to be on your, on your own making decisions like this. No, I got to step in. Like, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Cause it, yeah, that's, that's so weird. <laughs> You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio, joined by Shay Howard, really good friend of mine, and um, know her for a while, done business with her. If you guys have, if you guys are looking <laughs> to go on a vacation, please visit her website, travelbyshay.com. She does a really, really good job of getting you what Wait, you want. Wait a minute, Excuse me, travelbyshayllc.com. Let me get it right for the listeners out there. But yeah, she does a really good job in... Um, <laughs> getting you what you want, when you want, where you want, how you want. So, you know, give her a call, give her a buzz, give her a text. Very professional individual. I recommend it to anybody. But um, I got a couple more questions for you. Actually, just one more sure. question for you. And I appreciate mm-hmm. your time. I really, really do. Absolutely, um, Mike. We kind of talked about parents and, you know, what have you. So let's say you have a, a sister or a friend, and obviously mm-hmm. you've been through this with a high-priority recruit, a high, you know, highly rated player. Mm-hmm. And um, is there anything in terms of advice that you would give to parents that are going through an intense recruiting process? Um, yes, I would say focus on the schools that your child is actually interested in. Um, don't waste time of the other schools because it's yeah. just not right. There's a, I th- you know, there's a lot of money and time goes into recruiting mm-hmm, these kids. Mm-hmm. So don't play with anyone's time or money. Um, I mean, it's a business. And if your child's interested in the school, just focus on the ones your child's inter- interested in. Okay. Um, that's the main thing I would okay. say. 
Okay. Okay. And so, I mean, and, and I'm sorry to go back and forth. It's just That's fine. You know, the, the follow-up questions. And so uh, back, because I should ask this earlier, but back to that Tim Burns situation, let's say you, you had that happen to you and, you know, Tracy had committed to wherever. It doesn't even have to be Miami. Just giving an mm -hmm. example. Would you feel slighted knowing that it's a business? You know, let's say everything went down the way people think it went down and, oh, mm -hmm. Miami dropped them or whatever. Would you feel mm -hmm. slighted? Because like you said, you went into it knowing that it's a business. Mm -hmm. How would you view any university that made a decision that was best for them after receiving your son's commitment? Uh, it's a business. I wouldn't feel slighted at all it, because obviously there's a big reason that they did that, no matter what mm -hmm. the reason is. And actually, mm -hmm. as a parent, honestly, I wouldn't have gone on social media and addressed it at all. Mm. I mean, I just don't. I mean, for what? <laughs> you yeah. know? I know I hear you. I, I I didn't read it, but I I think it went something along the lines. She was actually coming to her son's defense, um, okay. because something that, like I said, I didn't read it, and I don't want to add fuel to the fire. I don't want to talk about like I'm talking no, about a book that I never read because I, right, I gotcha. never read it. So right. um, okay, cool, Shay. Uh, I, I really appreciate your time, man. It was really uh perfect for what I wanted to talk about. I'm gonna talk about recruiting in the next segment, and um, okay. you stay safe. You take care of yourself because I know you are. In and out of airplanes all day, every day. So please just be careful, all right? No, not every day. Maybe a couple times a week, but not every day. All right. All right. You stay all safe. Right, happy holidays you, and, and happy Thanksgiving, okay? All right. Same to you, Mike. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. Corny. Grown-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. We'll be back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. So that Never one makes a little more sense. Backwards, not even to get. How do you even, like, well, hold on. That might be actually difficult to. Para atrás ni para coger impulso. Don't even go back a step, to, even if it's just to go forward. It seems Always like it's a long forward. explanation. Yeah, it's hard it to. It seems like you have to write. It sounds like two, 250 words. Explain this sentence. That phrase needs an instruction manual. <laughs> Good morning, Amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for sticking around with us throughout that last break. You're still listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. And something that we really almost never do on the show here is have a reaction show right after a game, whether it be basketball or football. This time it's going to be a reaction show after the Miami Hurricanes defeat of the Duke Blue Devils on the road, going on the road, getting a huge ACC win, 48 to nothing. And to join me with that, we're going to have Ross on the line. Ross, how you doing? 
I'm good, man. How you doing, bro? Awesome, man. Thanks for joining us, everyone. If you don't know Ross, shame on you. You should co-host of that awesome, awesome YouTube telecast that uh, Paul Scoop on the U does. Paul um, Kane's After Dark, like every night, it seems like. He does a really good job there. Uh, and Ross, awesome job doing co-hosting there with him. He's going to join us, tell us what he feels right after this game here. We're recording on a soon to be Sunday evening. It's Saturday night here in Miami. Ross is way out of the West Coast in Alaska, man. But tell me how you felt, man. Kane's looking good at the end of the day, uh, defeating uh, a Duke team after being off for what, two, three weeks? Three weeks, man, three weeks. I mean, how fantastic to see us finally put it together yes. against a bad team where we played four full quarters. We didn't take our foot off their neck, nope. Nope. whatever you want to call it. We gave them the business. We gave them the work, however you want to put it, man. But we gave it to them, dude. And it feels so nice, bro. Like to have a game where we can yes. breathe. Easy. Yes. No, you took the words right out of my mouth, man, because you want to know what Miami hasn't had a game like this all season. Well, I mean, let me take that back because Miami did beat up on FSU. Miami has been doing what they've supposed to be doing all year long, beating the teams that they're supposed to be beat. I'm sorry, beating teams that they're supposed to beat. But this easily by far was uh, Miami's most complete game of the season, offensively and defensively. Uh, there was a missed field goal there by Jose Borregales, but then he comes back and he makes up for it with a 52-yard bomb, okay? And uh, I think he ended up kicking another chip shot after that with two field goals made on the day, if I'm not mistaken. I got to check the box score. But easily the most complete game of the year for Miami. What did you like the most that you saw offensively and or defensively? Uh, I can say, honestly, on offense, what I saw was I saw – I saw quality more than I saw quantity is what I really saw. Yeah. That's, that's really what I saw today. When we, when we wanted to strike, we struck. It, yes. was, it was on the money. We moved the ball. The run game, uh, uh, Cam Harris, yes. that's one, another point I want to bring up. Cam Harris getting the run game going, the power run game especially mm -hmm. going, really mm -hmm. helped open up the, in that uh, pass game for us, man. I mean, it, yeah. it, it just – to see to see King have time to see the run game work to see the pass game click it's not like we had one guy that just went nuts it was guys like Harley with two receptions for mm -hmm. 105 yards and a touchdown I mean it was big boom plays boom plays boom plays I mean and on defense man pulling out that big bad beautiful turnover chain babe yes. we pulled that thing out I think five times today yeah. swag was on another level today bro when it came to that swag was on a whole nother level great to see Absolutely. Now, people are going to go ahead and go on and say, oh, pump your brakes, Miami fans. You know, you beat Duke. This is probably the worst team in a quote unquote bad conference. You did what you were supposed to do. Get over it. I don't care what the narrative may be from rival fans or what the national perspective is about Miami beating a bad Duke team. Number one, again, you do what you're supposed to do. Okay. If Bama has a win like this over Mississippi state, it's going to be talked about, Oh, Bama handled business against the team they're supposed to do. But not only that, Miami needed a game like this, especially before next week, because Miami hosts, at least for now, a UNC Tar Heel team at hard rock stadium. And that's going to be, that's going to be a game because in my opinion, I don't know what, what North Carolina team to expect. I don't know if we're going to see the North Carolina team that everybody thought was fifth in the nation or the North Carolina team that lost to a really, 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 really crappy FSU team. But to me this week, let me go back to this week, and we'll talk about um, UNC in a second. 
the defense, man, they, I mean, obviously a shutout, okay? Haven't done my homework yet as to when the last time the Miami uh, had a shutout, okay, against at least a Power 5 team. But um, defensively, Miami was where they were supposed to be, when they were supposed to be there. And that's what had me. Jalen Phillips is playing out of his mind. I feel he declared at halftime. Bro, I... I think it's going to have to start to be a lot more of a realistic talk that he really might be heading to the NFL, bro. I mean, I hate to say it. I hate it dude, because Rousseau, then him. I mean, but bro, all I can say though, is if he does go to the NFL, it's going to be a good look for us in recruiting because getting multiple first, second round type picks Absolutely. into the draft, that's going to bring some attention to us for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there, like you said, several turnovers throughout the day. King looked good on offense. The running game, which is something that uh, has kind of been missing from Miami since maybe, I don't know, the FSU game right before Clemson. But uh, you hit the nail on the head. Cam Harris had a big night, 96 yards, I think it said here. 15 carries, 96 yards. Right behind him, though, was uh, was Chaney. You know, Don Chaney, the true freshman out of Belen Jesuit senior high school right here in Miami. A lot of people have been pushing for him. Uh, we got to see what the status is on Jalen Knight, and hopefully he's available next week. He looked to be, I'm not a doctor, I don't want to speculate anything, but he looked to be a little bit concussed on the sideline. Uh, he, from everything that I heard, he was walking really stiffly back to the locker room after all that stuff happened. That's the last that I heard about it, and okay. I'd love to hear a little bit more on that as well as the week's going on, bro, definitely. Okay. Okay, okay, yeah, well, that's going to be a must. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Um, talking about, we're having a, a reaction segment here after Miami beats up on Duke 48 nothing. Now 8-1 and overall, 7-1 and in the conference. Duke falls to 2-8, and 1-8 and in the conference. And Miami is now uh, looking to host next week the UNC Tar Heels. After being off for three weeks, everybody was talking about How's Miami going to look after a double bye? Oh, my God. We look. We know how they look after a bye week, and they're shaky, so on and so forth. Even though Miami has handled business after a bye week this season, you know, the results of last season, 0-3 after a bye week, still fresh in the minds of Canes fans. Um, like I said, Miami needed this win. What is your mentality as a fan? What are you looking for heading into the next week uh, season finale? Um, what I'm looking for is consistency from this, honestly. That's what I, okay. my, I'm striving for, especially on offense. Okay. Um, I, I feel like mm -hmm. this uh, a, a defensive performance like this is only going to get our guys hyped up to go against a, a pretty good offensive machine that UNC has. Yeah, we're gonna might. I mean, we might possibly end up in a shootout with these guys the way things have yeah. been going. That consistent part on offense, getting the run game going, getting yes. that going early and often. That's what I want to get really, really focused for Miami. And I hope this game really kind of ignited that. And one thing too, about Cheney that we actually get a, we see today that we haven't seen a whole lot of was, is I want to say uh, four receptions for like 81 yards in the passing game, bro. If that, if that's a legitimate weapon, let's do it. Good point. No, no, no. Very good point. And um, I'm sorry if you heard that background noise in the back there, but uh, yes, his uh, four for 81, he had a big play there from, I believe it was Nikosi Perry. Uh, was he, was it no question pair that threw him that, that, that play? Yeah, it was because it was, yeah. it was actually a bad pass. And if it was a little bit more on the money, then, you know, we may have gone, may have gone for six, but you got to see, you know, Don Cheney using his hands there out of the backfield. So, um, I agree with you, man. I, I think that run game is, it has to be huge. And the thing about Miami, uh, let me ask you this. Every team has an identity in your opinion, Ross, what's Miami's identity this season? 
I, I honestly think our identity is actually De'Eric King. I, okay. I mean, I don't know if it's really a team thing, De'Eric okay. King. And I, and I want to say that it's absolutely no disrespect to the other players, oh, no. but De'Eric King is as advertised. He is that leader. He's put this team on his back. To me, it is the De'Eric King show and everybody else doing their role will bring us success. I agree with you. And we're on the same page because I wasn't going to say De'Eric King, but I was going to say, you know, something along the lines of offense. When you think of Miami this season, I'm thinking you're thinking of offense, that quick strike thing, because it's hard for any team. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're, I don't care if you're Clemson. I don't care for Alabama. If you find yourself behind the eight ball early against a team that can uh, put up points like Miami as quickly as Miami can, if they have, you know, all the, all, everything rolling, uh, if Miami goes up on you 14 nothing, 17 nothing, quick, fast, and in a hurry, say in the first quarter, uh, it, that means that their offense is on a roll, you know, rolling the whole the whole game. Everything's coming together. Offensive lines blocking. Guys are catching balls. Uh, Derek King has time to throw, so on and so forth. If that's going, it's hard for anybody to kind of – because you have to readjust your game plan at that point. Obviously, Duke didn't have the means to do that, but – offensive uh, offense that's that's for me Miami's identity this year you get that going against UNC next week I like Miami in a shootout against almost anybody out there so I think it's imperative that Miami gets off to a really really good start and by the way I'm looking at the TV as we talk about UNC they won big at home 49 to 9 against Western Carolina so both teams looking to have uh the games that they needed before a game uh before they play each other next week but yeah, we're on the same we're on the same page, man. I think Miami's identity is offense this year, and why not? Led by Derek King, who completed 16 of 24 passes for 248 yards uh, today, three touchdowns on the year. Derek King has thrown for 2,086 yards. Well, I don't know if this, I don't know if this is updated yet, but uh, I'm looking at ESPN.com. This is right after the game, so it may not be updated. So this is either right after the game or heading into the game. 2,086 yards passing, 17 touchdowns, four interceptions on the year. Um, listen, I'll take it. I'll take it. He and you talked about his leadership. Guy said that he took that role uh, as soon as he hit, you know, the, the the green tree fields in the off season. So, and everybody seems to have been, you know, uh, rallying behind him. So, definitely a big game next week. Let me ask you, man, about this ACC championship game. It's it's going to be North Carolina. I'm not. I'm sorry, not North Carolina. It's going to be Clemson and Notre Dame. Tell me your thoughts on that, and who do you got? Um, it's been tough for me. I mean, Clemson. This, yeah, I got a little, got to watch them a little bit today. I mean, mm -hmm. this isn't this isn't the perfect product Clemson that we're used to seeing, man. No. I mean, this isn't just week to week, just pure domination. It's not no. that same team. I mean, Notre Dame, honestly, on a consistent basis, has probably played a little bit better football. I hate saying that. Like I, know. I, I hate <laughs> saying that, bro, so much, but. Um, ah, that, I mean, it's a tough one to say who would honestly win that Clemson has the horses. They have the, the experience, they have the coaching, the whole thing to win that. Of course, no matter right. what, so I always hate to put them out. You know what I'm saying? I always hate to put them out, but yeah. I mean, man, it, it, they gotta, they don't have to play a perfect game to beat Notre Dame, but they got to play good football to beat Notre Dame. That's for damn sure. This Absolutely. Year. You know, Brian Kelly's got some things going on there that I never quite thought Brian Kelly would quite get going right. Bro. Um, <laughs> I guess if, if I had to pull it, I would say Clemson just because they're the proven team. You know, right. maybe I'm thinking of the past and going into history and, and 
being lazy about it. But honestly, I, I still think they're the team that pulls it out when it really matters the most. Well, the elephant in the room, the elephant in the room, sorry, going into that game is going to be the number one overall pick is going to be available. Okay, so that number one. And, and it's not to say that DJ, I, can, I can't pronounce his last name. He had a great game against Notre Dame, the true freshman quarterback. Okay, so that's not why they lost. It's been Clemson's defense that's been un-Clemson-ish this season. But that team, you, you got to say they look different with the best player in the country uh, on, you know, available. So, again, like me, I mean, sorry, like how you said, I'm going to go the lazy route just because of his presence. And it's going to be pretty much a home game. It's going to be in Charlotte. Okay, so we'll see. Even though the crowd may not be at, at capacity, I'm, I got Clemson in that game. But um, we'll see how it works out. And uh, a way too early really quick reaction prediction uh, for next week against UNC. Again, they beat Western Carolina 49 to nine. Sam Howell goes off for 287 yards. He only incompleted three passes and threw two touchdowns. They beat 40, they, they went 49 to nine. They traveled to, um, to Miami next week, coming in ranked at 17 at the moment. We all know what Miami did. Give me a prediction for next week, Ross. Man, um, I, I think that it's going to be a shootout to a degree. I don't think okay. it's going to be a shootout in terms of like, you know, 50 plus points for each team. Okay. But um, I've got this game, honestly, I've got our boys, of course, winning it. Right. But uh, I got this game, uh, I'd say 44-37. Uh, okay. Okay. And then listen, I'm with you. I'll tell you what, though, and I, I am not basing it off of the performance from what we saw defensively from Miami. Okay. But I won't be surprised if, uh, the defense holds UNC to under, uh, like in the twenties. Okay. And Miami gets in the thirties. I won't be surprised to see Miami win this by maybe 10 points, double digits, not a blowout per se, but I can see Miami winning by 10, 13 points, but let's hope, man, that that's, that's, that's the thing. And it's looking to be like Miami. We'll see Florida in the orange bowl. It can happen because Florida just won the sec East today. They're going to play Bama in the sec championship game. I'm sorry, but I don't think Florida's ready for that. If that happens and Miami faces the Gators in the orange bowl, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be Holy hell. <laughs> it's going to be Holy hell. So, um, Ladies and gentlemen, that's pretty much it for this segment. Uh, appreciate your time, Ross. Thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate that. Man, thanks for having me on, bro. It was a blast. It won't be the last time, man. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for sticking around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try, just the two of us. You and I. Well, you, got the, you forgot the, just the two of us. 
Oh, the two of us, we're building castles in the sky, just the two of us. Go. You and I. There you go. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, so we're back, guys. Thank you very much for sticking around with me throughout that last break. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Uh, that guy, Ross, man, let me tell you something. <laughs> he is as passionate as they get in terms of uh, being a Miami football fan, a guy that really knows his stuff, and I really uh, respect his opinion. And uh, he's just a funny guy, man. We get into some really interesting conversations. <laughs> uh in, on Twitter, we DM each other often. Guy lives out on the West Coast. And when I mean, when I say West Coast, I mean it. Uh, out in Alaska, he loves it out there. He's always telling me about, you know, how peaceful it is and this, that, and the third. So uh, really appreciate his contribution to the show. And it won't be the last time. Uh, keeping it football-related, we are going to dip into the National Football League. And boy, if t- tell me about this. Tell me how you feel about if I was to tell you that yesterday's uh, one of one of the games yesterday that were played. OK, there was a couple games that were just kind of wild, but the most controversial game uh, yesterday. And I apologize if you get the background noise that I have. But um, one of yesterday's most or no, not one of the most controversial game that took place yesterday in the NFL involved a team that hasn't even won a game yet. That's right. Maybe the worst 0-12 team in NFL history, that being the New York Jets, okay, they were hosting the Las Vegas Raiders, right, and had a chance to win the game with five seconds left, and they blew it. They absolutely blew it. Why? Well, because with five seconds to go, they send pretty much everybody, they send eight guys to Derek Carr, and Derek Carr sees eight guys coming for his head. So he even said in the post-game conference, I, you know, I can't believe that they that they pretty much went on an all-out. Listen, they, they left three guys in coverage, and Henry Ruggs ends up, Henry Ruggs III, rookie out of Alabama, a guy that is just, he's going to be a superstar. Three catches for 84 yards yesterday, and a the game-winning touchdown, his long was for 46 yards. He was only targeted four times, but he ended up making the play of the game, apparently. Not apparently. Um, eventually. And so, uh, yeah, that's how the game ended. The the, the, Raider, the Raiders, they get lucky, man. They go on the road, and they win 31-28. to 28. And so the big deal that everybody was talking about in you know after that game was, why the heck did the Jets blitz with five seconds to go? Like, what the heck was that? Don't you just play prevent coverage, knock it down, and you go home victorious. You would have had your first win of the season. Was this something that was done on purpose to help secure a first uh, overall pick? Who knows? That's obviously going to be the talk. I doubt it because, I mean, I hope not. I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a big believer when it comes to tanking, but, I mean, goodness gracious, get this stat. And, again, this is something that I got from watching SportsCenter last night. This is I'm not smart enough to come up with stats like this, but check this out. In the last 15 seasons entering Sunday, in the last 15 NFL seasons, I'm sorry, entering Sunday, there have been 504 plays, 
504 pass plays with the following that included the following 15 seconds or less, 40 plus yards to the end zone. And uh, the team that was trailing was down anywhere between one and eight points. Okay. Zero of these pass plays. All right. Uh, zero of them were, 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 were the defense sent seven plus rushers. That exactly was what happened yesterday because the the Jets sent eight guys, okay? They sent eight, eight guys, three defenders were in single coverage, and uh, my God, I, we have to talk about how odd it is to do that in a situation because it is, all right? Like I said, you know, you normally play prevent defense. Maybe you send three guys instead of keep three guys back, right? But at the same time, shouldn't we give credit to the Raiders for maybe being prepared or doing their homework? I don't know. This is something that... You obviously don't prepare for going into games, all right? Or if we are down big, all right? But considering who their defensive coordinator is, their their defensive coordinator being the Jets, uh, Greg Williams, this is actually something that he's known for, okay? Um, and what do I mean by that? Well, uh, Tim Hasselbeck, ESPN's Tim Hasselbeck, says that the scouting report on Greg Williams is that when, you know, he gets to Hail Mary situations late in the game, his defense is getting in those situations, this is exactly what he does. This is who he is. Greg Williams known as a very aggressive defensive coordinator. Remember how when he was uh, being calling the defensive plays for the Saints back in the day, um, you know, he was accused of going after quarterbacks' heads and whatnot, this, that, and the third, and how maybe guys have been, you know, compensated for certain type of plays. Remember that? That was a long time ago where Greg Williams was the defensive coordinator behind all of that. Well, he did this as the defensive coordinator as the Saints versus the Panthers in 2011 in which the Saints won. Okay, he sent all, you know, he sent the house to Cam Newton. He ended up winning that game. And again, as defensive coordinator of the Rams in 2016 versus the Cards, he did it again. And the Rams also won that game. So, I mean, this is something that he's known for. And it's one of those things where, you know, nobody's talking about it if it works, but everybody's criticizing you when it doesn't. So it's like, you know, yeah, I get it. You know, nobody's saying it if it works. But you don't know what it reminded me of when I, when I saw this and I thought back because I'm trying not to knee-jerk about it. And I can't really because, like I said, if it worked, nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about how bad a decision it was. So what it reminded me of, remember when Dame Lillard, a couple years ago in the playoffs, he took, what was it? It was like a step-back three-pointer or a sidestep three-pointer. Paul George was covering him when Paul George was still a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder. And he ended that series, from, Dame Lillard ended that series on a three-point bucket from damn near midcourt, okay? And it went in, all right? That was a horrible shot. I love Dame Leonard. I really do. I really think as 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 much attention as he's getting right now, I still feel that he's an underrated point guard in the NBA because I've been on Dame Lillard's, you know, wagon for a while, okay? And I, I, I years ago, not recently, but years ago, I was saying that I'd take him over Kyrie Irving. I, I, I'm so serious. I, you know, and the reason he's getting this attention now is because Kyrie's hurt, in my opinion. Again, the West Coast guys tend to kind of kind of be forgotten, and that's in you know in any sport because they are on the West Coast. You know, the East Coast goes to sleep by the time these guys are playing, and so they don't get you know the attention that they deserve. 
But for a while there, I felt that Dame Lillard was one of the best kept secrets in the NBA, and he shouldn't have been for several reasons. But that's what it reminded me of, because if Dame Lillard misses that shot, you know, that game goes into overtime. What happens if they lose? You know what I mean? That it, it's one of those things that I'm thinking drive to the basket. <laughs> and look, I'm not one to criticize him, but I am here to say that, yes, it was a horrible shot, Dame. I'm sorry. That's one thing that I will uh, defend my opinion on all the time. It went in. Nobody's talking about it. But if it didn't, it's like, what are you doing? You know? And it was one of those things. That was the same example yesterday. Uh, because if the Jets won that game, nobody's talking about why the hell Greg Williams decided to send eight guys. But it happened, and now the Jets are sitting at 0-12, all right? Uh, but get this. In terms of most game-winning drives uh, since 2014 when Derek Carr entered the league, we have Matthew Stafford with 26, Derek Carr with 23, and then Drew Brees and uh, Russell Wilson are tied with 22. I think that's pretty crazy. So let's talk about the Pats and the Chargers, man, because all of a sudden, you know, the Pats are sitting at six and six. They put a hurting on the Chargers, 45 to nothing. They won on the road and they win that game. And I say that with, you know, as much uh, caution as I can, because nowadays road games aren't really road games. Uh, there's really not much of crowds because of COVID, but still it's a road game. You got to travel, you got to prepare for it. And, um, you know, in this case, it went across the country. But my God, 45 to nothing. And again, you know, the Pats guys say what you want about them. Bill Belichick, you know how I like to talk about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick every week, because uh, if you listen to the show, you already know what I'm about to say, that that is uh, that was one of the most. Well, no, not one of the most. That was the most intriguing storyline going into the season, in my opinion. All right. The Bill Belichick, Tom Brady uh, comparison. So, uh yeah, they, they win big. They're sitting at 6-6. Six and six. They're not out of the playoff hunt, guys. They are not out of the playoff hunt. And about Cam Newton, uh, he extends an NFL record of two rushing TDs in a game. All right? Uh, he it, It's now sitting at 10 games, and obviously that's for a quarterback. But, um, yeah, man, they're not out of the hunts. And I want to talk about their schedule because, you know, they have they – have, they, they're going to need some help. They're absolutely going to need some help. But in terms of their schedule, the remaining schedule looks like this. The Patriots have, like I said, they're now 6-6. Six and six. Their upcoming games are at the Rams, at the Dolphins, versus the Bills, and versus the Jets. They got four games left, all right? But if you look at, you know, games that they lost, they probably should have won. Remember that week two? They go on the road, travel cross country. They lose 35-30 to 30, literally on the last play of the game. All right. Uh, Russell, not Russell Wilson. I'm sorry. Cam Newton gets stuffed at the goal line uh, on a quarterback keeper. That didn't work out. You lose to the Chiefs 26 to 10. I'm sorry. The Super Bowl champs. That's kind of excusable. 18 to 12 against the Broncos. And I think that was uh, I think that was Cam Newton's first game back from COVID, if I'm not mistaken. All right. So, you know, they lose to the division leading Bills 24 to 20 in the game that actually should have gone at the very least into overtime, but Cam Newton fumbled the ball away towards the end, and that was all she wrote. And then they lose to the Texans by a score. So there's a lot of winnable games that they kind of, you know, let slip away. And if you look at it, you know, a, a play here, a play there, this team could easily be over 500. I am not counting them out because of the great Bill Belichick. And uh, neither should you, guys. Neither should you. So I think that's worth noting. Uh, moving on. Uh, the Saints and the Falcons, man, this is another game that was kind of interesting to me. And I want to 
I want to have a little hot take here because there was no Drew Brees yesterday. Uh, Taysom Hill throws for 232 passing yards. He also threw, get this guys, for his first two passing touchdowns of his career. And he ran for 83 yards. Here's a Taysom Hill hot take for you. And say what you want about it. But I think it's, I think it's, I think it's worth a conversation or an, and a look at, at the very least, guys. And here it is. I feel that if Taysom Hill starts for the Ravens, okay, he could be an MVP candidate just like uh, Lamar Jackson. All right. The Ravens will probably be a more balanced team. Why? Well, because I think Taysom Hill, and I get it, he's an athlete, you know, this, that, and the third. Uh, you know him for his running uh, prowess and all of that stuff. But I think he's probably a better passer than, than Lamar Jackson. I am not calling Lamar Jackson a horrible passer. I am not. And I know that I just said that Taysom Hill just threw his first two touchdown passes of his career. Why? Well, uh, there's a guy by the name of uh, Sean Payton that knows how to use his weapons. He's an offensive mind, and he's going to use Taysom Hill for what Taysom Hill is best at, okay? And that's running the football. He uses him situationally. He's a, he, he's an athlete, all right? But at the same time, he doesn't get to throw the ball as much, all right? If you look at his college stats, and I have them pulled up here, okay, Taysom Hill at BYU went a little like this. Five seasons because uh, – one of those seasons, uh, he only played one game, and I can't remember what the injury was. It was, I think, it was a lower extremity injury, if I can, if I recall. But in 2012, as a freshman, played in six games, all right, and only threw 71 passes, threw four touchdowns, two interceptions. Obviously, was not a starter at that point. Um, move on to 2013, plays in 13 games, throws for 19 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. 2,900 yards, just over 2,900 yards in 13 games. Threw the ball 438 times, okay? Um, junior season, plays in five games, completes 88 passes, only threw the ball 132 times, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. And then his senior year, uh, he only played in the game, but then obviously that was a medical record. He comes back, plays 12 games in 2016, uh, throws the ball 372 times to the tune of 12 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Not impressive, especially when you compare that to Lamar Jackson, who we all know his college career won a uh, Heisman Trophy, was very electric running the ball, three seasons at Louisville, throws for 69 touchdowns and 27 interceptions, uh, was one of the best college football players that we've seen at that position in, you know, I'm not going to say in a while, but, uh, you know, one of the best quarterbacks we've seen, at least recently in college football, all right? So, you know, both guys use their athleticism running. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is the more athletic, electric guy. But uh, Taysom Hill in that offense would be, you know, it's a run-based offense. They have a running game, an O-line, and running backs would help any quarterback. So, I mean, uh, like I said, that, that Baltimore offense is already catered for a running quarterback. And so, I mean, that's something that any NFL quarterback must have to be successful. So the hangup with that Baltimore offense is what it's when LJ uh, is tested and he's forced to beat you with his arm. He kind of struggles in that absent and in that aspect. And I get, it, we haven't seen Taysom Hill kind of prove himself as a passer, but that's why it's called a hot take. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, that's, that's how I feel. And I would, I really wish that we, uh, there was a way that we can see that happen. So uh, that's just something that I thought about, you know, take it for what it's worth. Um, 
another hot take. This is something that I just was, you know, pondering. Uh, Matthew Stafford, man, if that guy isn't like another Barry Sanders or what I mean by that, I mean, this, his, his career is kind of going to waste over in a, over in Detroit, man, because he's having one heck of a career. He's having one heck of a career. You want to know what I feel about him? Bill Belichick needs a quarterback. Matthew Stafford needs to win. Wouldn't that be a match made in heaven? I mean, I think so, right? Especially when you consider this. This is the ninth season, the ninth season, I'm sorry, that Matthew Stafford has thrown for 4,000 passing yards and 20 touchdowns. That man deserves out of Detroit, and Bill Belichick needs a quarterback. I'm just saying, okay? By the way, you're listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio, and we are talking about NFL football. There was another crazy game yesterday, and the Browns put up 41 points on the road against the Titans. Some And guess who started the Titans' defense in their fantasy football league? This I'm not going to tell you what my record is in fantasy football because it's embarrassing, okay? I'm convinced that 1% of fantasy football is about skill and knowledge, and 99% of it is about luck, okay? This is coming from a guy that has played in three fantasy f- uh, football Super Bowls and won two of them, all right? This is just – this is crazy. This is just crazy. The Browns, 41, Titans, 40, uh, 35. That, that's just kind of crazy, especially when you consider uh, the tale of two halves that went down in that game. How did that happen? A little bit like this. I'm going to go ahead and pull up the score if this internet uh, agrees with me. Come on now. Uh, pretty much the, the Browns, they put up all their points in the first half, pretty much. Okay, I believe they scored 38 of their 41 points in the first half. And here we go. Here's the box score. And then the Titans, you know, I guess they woke up and smelled the coffee at the half. They score 28 second half points, but it wasn't enough. Uh, yes, the half, uh, the halftime score in that game was 38 to seven. All right, 38 to seven, and uh, the Browns improved to nine and three, four and two on the road. And the Titans fall to eight and four, four and three at home. You want to know what the thing with the Browns is? Is that it's it's yes, they're nine and three, and in the NFL, any win is a good win. Okay, I get it because it's tough to win in the NFL, especially on the road. But when you look at their schedule, man, their their wins are a bit unimpressive. They have wins against the Bengals, the Redskins, the Cowboys. They did beat the Colts, thirty-two to twenty-three. That's that's one good win. But you lose to the Steelers. You 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 actually swept the Bengals. They lost to the Raiders, beat the Texans, beat the Eagles, beat the Jaguars, barely beat the Jaguars. And then their second impressive win, I guess you can say, is against the Titans. We'll see what they're made of next week when they play the Ravens, who were kind of struggling. I mean, kind of rephrase that. I shouldn't say what they're made of, but um, that's a division game. And then they're at the Giants, who are surprising people, guys. The Giants have won four games in a row. All right, four games in a row in that lowly NFC East after starting the season one and seven. Do you remember a guy by the name of Colt McCoy? I do. Do you remember a guy by the name of Alfred Morris? I do, because he used to be, you know, a fantasy hot take. Not a hot take, but a fantasy a, a guy that you would take, man. And it was just crazy. He had a really good game yesterday, scoring two touchdowns, one in the air, one on the ground. And the Giants went on the road to beat Seahawks. If I would have told you that the Giants went on the road to beat the Seahawks a month ago, you would have thought that I was talking about I don't know, a video game or something. That's crazy. 
don't know what's going on with the Seahawks. They don't look like the same team like they did a couple weeks ago. Is is the absence of Carson that integral to that offense? I don't know, but something is up with the Seahawks, and uh, you know they they need to they need to get it together, man. Um, running out of time here in this segment, we are going to take a break. Be right back and listen to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Get dribbling on it. The dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. So take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit stoptextsstoprex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. I mean, really, it really apologist. comes down to... I'm going to make an apologist image for you, bro, because it, everything that I say is, oh, but LeBron had to do this, and if he, if he had to jump over a car. Isn't LeBron the king? And again, LeBron jump over the Empire State Building? Probably good, but why Probably. would he do it? But why doesn't he jump over the Empire State Building to win a slam dunk contest? Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, guys, thank you very much for sticking around with me throughout that last break. You are still listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Football football and more football yes i am going to talk some hardball i'm sorry some round ball you know hardwood i promise it's gonna come up in the next segment because we got to man we got to i'm a basketball guy i love hooping and so there's some things i want to talk about because there has definitely been some uh news in regards to the nba offseason so i promise we're going to get into that however there's still some things i want to cover in terms of pro football. So we're going to get through that here in this segment. Hope you've been enjoying the show. We heard from uh, Shay Howard, uh, mother of Tracy Howard, former Miami Hurricane and Cleveland Brown, uh, talking about recruiting and uh, the business of recruiting because it's something that is a big deal. Okay. It's been a big deal, especially in the past few years. Uh, recruiting is not the same. Uh, social media has a big deal to do with that and so does you know guidance around uh these players coming out of high school man and um you know it's it's kind of a shame how much has changed because so much goes into a decision nowadays and it you know it, it was it used to be as simple as okay i fit here with this team with this offense with this defense this is where my heart lies uh, I want to play close to home or I don't want to play close to home. Now it's, you know, it's uniforms, it's facilities. It's do I want to play with my, you know, my, my, my friend from uh, my teammate from high school. Uh, where's my girlfriend going to go? Am I going to get paid? Uh, it's just so much. How much exposure am I going to get? And, 
you know, and now COVID, you know, that's something else that you got to take into account. But it's 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 been it's a business. It really is a business decision for both ends of uh, from all, for all parties involved, the parents, the student athlete, the coaches in the school. And um, that's just the way it is now. And it's a shame. But I mean, here we are 2020. So it's not going to change. So uh, thank you, Shay, for coming on. And then, of course, Ross from Paul Scoop on the U. Uh, he joined us. And it's always good talking with him. It won't be the last time he joins the Michael McCoy show. That guy's a character. And I appreciate his contributions earlier on in the show. But uh, we were talking about uh, NFL football before. And I want to finish the conversation in this segment. We left off talking about uh, the Giants and how they surprised, you know, with a 17 to 12 victory on the road with the Seahawks. We're going to keep it in the NFC East because there might be a quarterback controversy brewing in the city of brotherly love. Yes. Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz was bet. Say that five times fast. I dare you. You're going to get tongue twisted, but Carson Wentz was benched last night by Doug Peterson. Uh, Jalen Hurts comes into the game. Remember that name? Should ring a bell? It should, right? He comes into the game and replaces Carson Wentz in the third quarter. You guys remember how uh, it was kind of weird that Jalen Hurts was drafted at all? By, not at all, but at all by the Eagles, especially when they drafted him. Because Carson Wentz, is a young quarterback. It wasn't too long ago that the Eagles took him in the first round. The guy was what, like a top five pick, maybe top three pick. If my memory serves me right. Uh, definitely one of the first quarterbacks taken in whatever year he came in, you know, into the NFL and a guy that uh, pretty much was an MVP candidate then gets hurt. And uh, Nick Foles takes over and the Eagles end up winning the Super Bowl beating the New England Patriots uh, in a very exciting game behind the the arm of Nick Foles, very steady quarterback who's now uh, with the Bears. But um, that team was led by their defense, and there's no question about that. But still, man, it's just kind of crazy how that happened. And, you know, Carson Wentz is not the leader of that team, and he's been taking some heat lately, but that has been ratcheted up, especially with, you know, him being benched yesterday, but uh, maybe the Eagles don't look so crazy by drafting a quarterback now. Maybe they knew what they were doing all along. Maybe they knew that Carson Wentz needed to be pushed, and we're seeing that, okay? I was one of those people that thought, what the hell are the Eagles doing? Because like I said, they took him they took him high. Uh, and, 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 and when I say high, I mean this. They took him with their second pick, their second pick was in the second round. Their second pick was the 53rd overall, okay? And I want to talk about Jalen Hurts because he was he was a story in college football. And I don't know if you remember. I mean, you should. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, came in, you know, busting, busting people's balls pretty much as a freshman in 2016. Played in, six, played in 15 games. Started 14 of them. Completed 240 of 382 passes. Completed 62.8% of his passes uh, through just under 
3,000 yards, not just under 3,000 yards, but 2,700 yards. But he threw for 23 touchdowns and nine interceptions as a freshman. Okay, led Alabama all the way to the championship game in which they lost to Clemson. All right. Uh, if it wasn't for, you know, the, 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 the magical performance of Deshaun Watson bringing the Clemson Tigers back in a game that took place, a, a game that took place in Tampa Bay. That was a very exciting national championship game. Uh, that was, that was, that was a Jalen Hurts led offense. Okay. The very next year plays in 14 games, uh, throws for 17 touchdowns and one interception. Okay. Then in 2018, was the year that he was replaced at the half and insert Tua Tunga Vailoa brings back the Crimson Tide. I'm sorry, the Crimson Tide to beat the Georgia Bulldogs in a very exciting uh, college football national championship game again. And um, I'm sorry, that was 20. That was 2017. In 2018, he played in 13 games. I'm sorry, I'm getting them mixed up. In 2018, was uh his final year at Alabama, everybody was talking about, is he going to come? I'm sorry, is he going to leave? Is he going to stay? And he ends up staying, playing behind Tua Tungavailoa, played in 13 games, didn't start a single one of them. And so uh, threw for eight touchdowns, two picks, finishes out his Alabama career. Then all of a sudden he tranched to Oklahoma, starts in 14 games, throws for nearly 4,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, Eight interceptions in that Lincoln Riley offense that I can probably no disrespect to Jalen Hurts, but that's a Lincoln Riley offense that almost any quarterback looks good in. I'm a I'm a Jalen Hurts fan. This is a guy that I was really really rooting for, man, and uh, a guy that I'm glad stuck to his guns and said I'm playing quarterback at the next level. Don't think about putting me as any other position. I'm a quarterback. I'm going to play quarterback, and now we'll see. We'll see what's going on, but he was replaced, and so um, I want to talk about that because, like I said, he was replaced midway through the third quarter. He nearly sparked a comeback in a 30-16 to loss to the Packers, but he did outperform Wentz. He finished 5 of 12. Not great numbers, obviously. I mean, you're throwing a rookie thrown into the mix uh, because even Doug Peterson said, I, I, th- I thought we needed a spark. So you go to the, the you you go to the rookie quarterback. Did I say freshman? <laughs> um, five of twelve for 109 yards. He did throw a touchdown. He did throw an interception, and then he rushed uh, five times for 29 yards. Wentz had a very very, I'm not even gonna say pedestrian. He had a bad game. He had a poor showing. Six of 15, 79 yards, and was sacked four times. Eesh. But um, we'll see what happens now. The uh. The Eagles sitting are sitting at three, eight, and one, and then they host the Saints this coming Sunday. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens there. But that's something to keep your eye on, especially if you're uh, a Philly fan. But um, that absolutely happened. I want to talk a little bit about playoff scenarios, and um, you know, for both conferences, for AFC and NFC. So as it stands right now, let's talk about the AFC playoff picture first. You got Pittsburgh, who's sitting pretty undefeated. You know, they're the team that is going to be awarded the bye if the playoffs were to start today, tomorrow, this week, whatever. Okay. They have the bye. The division leaders are KC at 11 and 1, 
He got Buffalo ahead at or atop at the NFC. I'm sorry, the AFC East at the moment. They play tonight. They travel out west to play the 49ers on the road, not in Santa Clara, but in Arizona, because you know there can't be any games played right now uh, in San Francisco because of COVID. The county has decided that no sporting uh, events are going to take place. They don't want gatherings of that magnitude over there. Apparently, the COVID situation in that county is getting a little bit out of control. So they figured, you know what? We're going to move this game to Arizona. And for the next couple of weeks, that will be the 49ers home. So there's that. So the Eagles, not the Eagles, I'm sorry. The the Bills play tonight. They're sitting at eight and three at the moment atop the AFC East. Tennessee just lost their eight and four. They're sitting at fourth in the uh, AFC picture. The Browns, we talked about them. They're at nine and three. The Dolphins, eight and four. Eight and four, and I want to talk a little bit about them in, a, in, in following the AFC uh, playoff picture that I'm talking about right now. And then you got the Colts uh, holding up the seventh spot, also at eight and four. In the hunt, you got the Raiders seven and five, the Ravens six and five, and then those Patriots guys don't count them out. They're at six and six. And so um, I want to talk about the Dolphins, man, because when you when you think about uh, where they are now as opposed to where they were a year ago. How about Brian Flores as coach of the year? Maybe, I don't know, why not, right? Uh, when you when you, when you you think about the Dolphins, okay, and I'm gonna go ahead and pull up their schedule right now. Uh, remember, they had a pretty big offseason. They, they made a lot of changes on the defensive side of the ball, and we all know where Brian Flores comes from. He's part of that Bill Belichick coaching tree, and he's making Belichick proud. Making Belichick proud right now. The Dolphins won yesterday, uh, 19 to seven in a game that was very chippy. A home game against the Bengals. They win 19 to seven. There are some ejections. Brian Flores uh, charges across the field to you know there was a skirmish uh, between the Bengals. One of many skirmishes between the Bengals and the Dolphins. Brian Flores was peed off, and you know he even said himself he has to set a better example. You know, be a leader for his team. But tell me that that isn't a guy that you would want to play for. You see your coach come to the defense of, you know, whatever was going on, obviously defending his players. And so I, I'm sorry, but Dolphins at eight and four right now with wins over my Niners. Okay. My Niners, I get it. They've been looking not themselves this year. They have been ravaged by injuries, but still the Dolphins beat the Niners. Okay. One of, uh, one of their impressive wins. Like I said, they're sitting at eight and four. And last year, the Dolphins, if you remember, a lot of people were thinking, you know, tank for two or tank for two or this and that. And he was steadfast in saying, no, that's that's not what I believe in. OK, we are not going to sit here and tank. That's not what I'm about. That's not what I believe in. And you got to give credit when credit is due, because how about him for coach of the year? He's got to be in that conversation, guys. He's got to be in that conversation because last year the Dolphins, uh, they just weren't that good. <laughs> they weren't that good. He, this, we're, they're in his, I'm sorry, he's in his second year. Um, and if I'm going to go ahead and uh, pull up their schedule, their first two games, they lost to the Patriots and the Bills. They start off 0-2. Then they start to ramp things up. They they go, they win one, two, three, four, five, six of their next seven games, okay, with wins over the Jaguars, the Niners, the Jets. They beat the Rams in Tua Tonga Valoa's very first game. Then they go on the road and beat the Cardinals. They beat the Chargers. 
And, I mean, they have games left against the Chiefs, the Pats, the Raiders, and the Bills in that order. In that order, I'm sorry. Their, their last two games of the season are on the road. So we'll see. We'll see how, the, how you know, they end up finishing. And um, they're second in the AFC East in a complete turnaround, a team that plays together. All right. I'm still kind of questioning that 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 Ryan Fitzpatrick benching, because at the time that it happened, Ryan Fitzpatrick was not playing bad. The Dolphins were three and three. And, um, you know, they were they were coming off some wins. So uh, it was right after a bye. I get it. And if you're going to make a switch like that, you do it after a bye where you get to work with your rookie quarterback a little bit more. But um, it was just kind of weird because it's not like if Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing horribly. But, hey, you're eight and four, so it's kind of hard to to question that, right? Uh, the, AFC, the NFC playoff scenario is looking like this. Right now, if the playoffs were to end today, you got the Saints with that bye. The Saints are looking good uh, with a number one seed. The division leaders are Green Bay. They have the second uh, – the second spot, they're at nine and three. The Rams, eight and four. The Giants, five and seven. Isn't that crazy? Winning four in a row, but the NFC East is so bad that the Giants are uh, holding steady in that fourth spot. You got the Seahawks at eight and four. <laughs> it's just crazy. A five and seven team is ahead of an eight and four team in the playoffs because they're they're they're, they're leading the division race. Wow. Um, Tampa Bay, seven and five. Oof. That's just. That's not the way they were expecting things to go over there. And a team, uh, for a team that's supposed to be hosting the Super Bowl this year, picking up maybe the best quarterback ever. But um, they're at seven and five. The Vikings are at six and six. And teams that are in the hunt, uh, you got the Cardinals at six and six. You got the Niners at five and six. They play tonight, as I mentioned previously. And then the Bears at five and seven. That's how uh, it shakes out. The thing with the Niners, man. You look at them, and uh, it's kind of interesting to see what Richard Sherman said about their defensive coordinator, Robert. Um, how do you pronounce his last name? Saleh? Saleh? I always have a problem pronouncing it. But um, one of the one of the better defensive coordinators in the league. And again, that defense, that team has been ravaged by injuries all year long. Okay? Starting from, you know, the first couple of games in the season, you got – Bows are going out with the torn ACL. Um, just a, you know, Raheem Mostert just came back from injury for the second time, and so uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is out, and it just it's just not looking good for these guys. Yet they're at five and six; they have a chance to get the five hundred today. Still one of the better defenses in the NFL. And Richard Sherman comes out and says that you know this is a guy that needs to be a head coach. When you have a guy that teams that players want to play for, and uh, that goes a long way in the NFL. And I mean, look at the product on the field. With all these injuries, you are still producing. Next man up mentality. That Niners defense is still looking like the Niners defense when Harbaugh was the head coach, was the head coach and they went in, made a Super Bowl appearance and lost to the Ravens in a game that I feel they should have won. But, you know, they didn't. And uh, I don't know, man. You know, the Niners, they swept the Rams. And the, the Rams are 8-4. and four. Okay, imagine if, you know, the Niners have luck on their side this year and the defending NFC champs don't have these injuries. I don't know, man. Uh, I, I'm a Niners fan, so I'm just kind of, you know, that's my soapbox. But uh, um, that's pretty much it in terms of NFL talk. I want to go ahead and talk about some NBA basketball and some some controversial <laughs> 
words that were said by Paul George in terms, I'm sorry, in referencing Doc Rivers and how he was used last season. We're going to talk about that next. I appreciate you listening to the Michael McCoy Show, ladies and gentlemen. Stick around. Uh, you're listening to Channel 145, Sirius XM, Slam Radio. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show, only on Sirius XM, 145, Slam Radio. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up Tua Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't. You I don't call know. him that. I call him Tunga Vailoa. Whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Manuel Apollo? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tongo Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tongo Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tongo Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tongo Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right. Hoops talk. I'm ready for it. Here we go. Thank you very much for sticking around with me throughout that last break, ladies and gentlemen. You're still listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Oh, boy. You know what? People love reality TV, okay? And it's, you know... Yeah, call it whatever you want, but you want to know the best thing about sports is the reality the reality TV aspect of it is better than reality TV. It really is because there there, there really is no off season, especially when you think about NBA basketball. Okay, um, there's just so much drama. There's always something going on. Okay, more so than in an NFL off season, the NBA off season. Is 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 really a roller coaster ride, and obviously this one has been shortened because the NBA playoffs just finished. We just got finished seeing uh, the Los Angeles Lakers win an NBA championship just a few weeks ago. What was it in in October, September, whatever it was? Okay, this is going to be the shortest off season ever. All right, uh, we're going to have an NBA tip off before Christmas. And, you know, the season just ended. So um, even in that shorter period of time, you know, you got things popping up like what Paul George said. And if you've been living under a rock, okay, he kind of threw Doc Rivers under the bus. And to me, it just was kind of cringeworthy because why? Why, Paul? 
I mean, that just that just wasn't cool. If you're unaware of what he said, and then he, you know, he he ended up trying to come back and clear it up, but you know, at that point, the damage was done, and you know, Doc Rivers had already came out and said, you know what, <laughs> it is what it is, water under the bridge. But anybody that knows Doc Rivers kind of knows that uh, they're kind of looking forward to when the Clippers play the Sixers because that pregame handshake or hug or whatever, that's going to be something worth keeping an eye out on. So instead of kind of keeping you like, okay, Mike, what the hell did he say? Well, Paul George came out and criticized Doc Rivers for how he was used last year and kind of, kind of blamed his performance on that, you know, uh, saying that he was used a lot on pin downs and, you know, that's really not his game, so on and so forth, yada, yada, yada. And I'm just like, Paul, George, come on, man, you don't do that. Doc Rivers is one of the most likable guys in the NBA, one of the greatest coaches in, you know, modern you know, history, I guess, or recent history, I guess, you not modern history, but recent history, and, you know, he's a likable guy, he's a player's coach, he's a guy that, you know, goes to bat for his guys, even if they don't deserve it, okay, and um, I'm a fan of Dot Rivers, and if you aren't, I mean, why, you know, there's really no reason, like I said, he's a likable guy, and so when Paul George came out and said, amongst other things, okay, uh, as to, you know, his performance in the playoffs, it was just like, dude, it, uh, it, it didn't sit well with a lot of people. He came back and said, you know what, I'm the reason why we lost that series. We were up 3-1. I'm the reason. I'm the reason. I'm the reason. But like I said, the damage was done, okay? Doc Rivers came out and said, you know what, uh, you know, the he said what he said. And we lost as a team. I could have coached better. The players could have played better. Case closed. That's it. All right. He took the high road. But Paul, man, excuse me, uh, that, that's just something that I think you kind of keep to yourself, you know, to for, for lack of a better phrase. And if you want to come out and say something that things could have been different last season, uh, I don't know how you go about saying it, but you definitely don't go about addressing it after rumors come out that, you know, there's that he and Kawhi Leonard were kind of given preferential treatment in terms of when they would practice, how they were practice, showing up late to practice. And I'm sorry, but I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan. And I know I know all too well about uh, locker room issues. And if that's exactly what was going on, then you want to know what? No coach is going to be successful. I don't care if your name is Red Auerbach. I don't care if your name is Bill Belichick. I don't care if your name is Bill Walsh. It doesn't matter. If you guys have a, a, a fractured locker room, okay, it's just not going to work. It's just not going to – it doesn't work that way. You could have all the talent in the world. It's not going to work that way. It really doesn't work that way. I can't think of a time that it did, all right? So – um. Yeah, there was rumors of that going on. And how can a coach be blamed for anything when you have that going on, unless he fostered it, okay? I don't know. I'm not a Clippers fan. I'm not here to say here or there what was going on. But the point of the matter is that if you're a Paul George, it looks bad on you, 
okay? Bad on you. Because like I said, nobody really comes at Doc Rivers. And you played horribly, okay? I defended Paul George. At first, I thought he was hurt, okay? But then it came out and said that he came out and said, you know, I was having some – I was struggling with life in the bubble. And that's that's – that's believable because that's a situation that you don't prepare for. Guys are missing their families. Uh, and they were literally in a bubble, okay? You don't know how much of a toll that could take on someone. Like I said, especially you don't prepare for – these guys weren't – nobody was prepared for that. Nobody in the world – forget NBA players. Nobody on this earth was prepared for 2020. So, you know, when you're locked in and you say, okay, I'm going to commit to not leaving this bubble for three months or however long it was – um, it's going to take a different toll on different players. Not everybody is going to react to that the same, but you're the guy that's hitting the backboard, you know, side of the backboard on wide open three pointers. Okay. Uh, in a, in a decisive game seven. Okay. Um, that, that wasn't coaching. That wasn't coaching Paul George. And again, this is a guy that I defended because a lot of people all play off P and, uh, this, that, and the third. And I'm thinking, um, this, this guy's an all-star, okay? You're allowed to have a bad game or two games or bad three games. It happens to the best of them. I still would put Paul George up there at, as a top maybe 20 player in the NBA, okay? This is, the guy, this is a guy that Kawhi Leonard came out and said, hey, management, get me that guy. I could win with that guy, okay? And you want to know what? I was not a fan of the Ty Lu hiring, but maybe it makes sense now because if these locker room issues were or are accurate, then Ty Lu is the guy for the job because he is a good manager of egos. The guy was the coach for that Cleveland Cavs team that beat a 73 win Golden State Warriors team. Anybody that can manage a LeBron James personality, which is, in my opinion, one of the biggest divas in the NBA. Sorry, LeBron, if you're listening. <laughs> I doubt you're listening, but if this gets to you somehow, I, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Um, listen, Kyrie Irving, okay, LeBron James, and whoever else was on that team, uh, it kind of explains why maybe he's, you know, a guy that can manage Paul George and Kawhi Leonard that were supposedly given preferential treatment, okay? Um, we'll see. We'll see. He just may be the guy for that job, the right guy for that job after all. But, yeah, man, that story broke last week, and it just it wasn't a good look for Paul George. You don't go out and blame a coach for your performance, okay? Uh, I'm a firm believer in coaches coach players play. I believe that in, in any sport. And uh, I, be I believed in pro basketball, too, okay? That's just, that's just how it is. It's been like that since the beginning of time, and it's not going to change. So um, Kevin Durant practiced, guys. He practiced, yes, for the first time with the Nets. And, um, you know, that's that's going to be something to keep your eye out on. Again, he missed the last, what, 18 months with the torn Achilles. We all saw he tore his Achilles in the NBA Finals when the Warriors lost to the Raptors. And uh, it was just devastating to see that happen, especially on that stage. I'm rooting for him. I hope that he comes back and he's not a shell. He's not going to be a shell of himself because guess what? 75%, uh, 80% KD is still better than a whole bunch. Of, I mean, this guy's damn near seven feet and with one of the best jump shots we've ever seen. Okay. Can, 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 
can handle the ball on a string. Uh, solid defender. I just hope that, you know, with any lower extremity injury, you tend to compensate with the other leg. So it, a lot of times it isn't the leg that you had the injury on. It's the other one because you're compensating, right? I mean, look at what Clay Thompson just went through. Tore his ACL on one leg, then tore a ruptured the Achilles on the other, you know? I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying that's exactly what he was doing was compensating, but this is another example of, you know, what I'm bringing up. So I hope we see a full fledged KD because he and Kyrie uh, are going to be something to watch. So I hope that happens. Um, But something I'm keeping an eye on too. And I think this is a storyline going back to, uh, to, uh, to Doc Rivers, and obviously he's back on the East Coast coaching the Sixers, is the Ben Simmons and Bede pairing, okay? I'm going to sit here and say it. I really don't understand why people don't think those two can mesh. I think that it's perfect. One's a scorer, one's a facilitator. Isn't that what you want in the NBA? One's a finisher, one's a guy that sets things in motion. Don't get me wrong, Ben Simmons can score, but that's not his that's not his calling card. The guy is a physical specimen at 6'10, a point guard. And uh, you know, a lot of people are saying that, you know, that guy needs to be moved to the four. Whatever. We're we're gonna see what Doc Rivers does with that. Okay. But um I wanna see that work, man. I hope I hope this is a, a, a pairing that can prove a lot of people wrong because Embiid needs to be the finisher on that team, all right? And this is something that I'm not breaking any news here. Joel Embiid needs to be the finisher on that team. And I felt that he needed to be the finisher on that team even when uh, Jimmy Butler was on that team because, listen, I'm a Jimmy Butler fan. That guy is my favorite player in the NBA. He's He's been my favorite player for a while. Remember, I'm a Bulls fan, all right? And I love basketball. I've only had three favorite players ever. In the NBA, I'm not one of those fans that has five favorite players at the same time. I mean, favorite means one, okay? Obviously, my first was MJ, all right? He retires. KG was my favorite player. And I always told people, you know what? This Jimmy Butler guy is the truth. And when KG retires, he's going to be my favorite player. Like I said, favorite means one. You don't have three favorites, Okay, you just don't have three favorites at the same time. It's just it it doesn't work that way. All right. That's like people say that they have five best friends. Excuse me. Best means one like just one best like you can't have it. Come on now. But in any event, um, I felt Joel Embiid needed to be the finisher on those uh, Sixer squads that had Jimmy Butler because that's how they were going to win. That's how they were going to win. When you have a guy. Uh, that's a specimen like Joel Embiid. If he decides to stop shooting 12 three-pointers in a freaking game, I was watching the NBA replay just the other day ago of uh, one of the playoff uh, games between the Bucks and the Sixers, well, where the Sixers won, but Joel shot 12 three-pointers. Dude, if you decide to... Look, I'm not telling you to not shoot three-pointers because I get it. This is the day and age that we are in and bigs are shooting three-pointers, It's you know, to my dismay. But uh, if you stop shooting 12 of them and cut that even in half, even even in – I'll live with it, but even that's too much, okay? 
six three pointer from Joel Embiid, dude, what are you doing? You're gonna hit two of them, all right? Maybe three of them. I get you can knock them down, but that's not that's not where your game. That's not where you're gonna be most effective, even if you do hit four of them. Okay, uh, I believe that pairing can work. I believe it could work, and I hope, I hope Doc Rivers is the one to to unlock that code and to figure it out. Because if 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 he does, if they do, I mean, remember uh, a, a long time ago, back when I was doing hurricane warning for WVUM, uh, this was a hot take that I have proven to be wrong about. <laughs> but I came out and said that uh, Ben Simmons is going to be the face of the NBA. That's how I felt, and I said that. When uh, Giannis was making a push, uh, you know, earlier on in his career, obviously before he was winning um, MVPs, but uh, I've been proven wrong because Giannis is now a two-time MVP and Ben Simmons is still struggling to hit a jump shot. So, uh, but I said that because Ben Simmons has all the potential in the world and everybody knows that he's just a jump shot away, a halfway decent jump shot away from being LeBron James, you know, uh, there's no, it's not every day that you see uh a 6'10 point guard or 6'10 guy with point guard skills that can dribble, get to the bucket at ease, even when you know that he can't shoot. That's the thing about Ben Simmons games that, 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 that has me so intrigued in how he can be, you know, so good. The guy dominates games without, you know, having a jump shot. I think that's incredible, especially like I said, at 6'10. Okay. Sees the floor like, like Chris Paul. Okay. Like any other point guard, you know, that, is pretty much like an extension of the coach on the floor. That's how I feel about Ben Simmons. And like I said, what more can you ask for when you have a facilitator and a finisher? That's that's what you want, right? That's what Ben Simmons is, a facilitator. You got Joel Embiid, who's the finisher. It's got to work at some point. What's holding that tandem back from being great? I don't know. I hope Doc, Doc Rivers figures it out, and we'll see, man. But that's one of the storylines that I'm looking at uh, heading into this season and we'll see how it works out, man. Tip-off is a few weeks away. Uh, it's December 7th, and I believe tip-off is December 22nd. So um, we'll see, man. I'm right of time, and um, I'm really glad that I was able to, to actually record this week because, like I said last week, I didn't. And uh, appreciate you listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for Shay Howard coming on and uh, contributing with her segment and, of course, Ross uh co-host of paul's scoop on the U on youtube go ahead and check out their content they do great work so guys i'm out of time again thank you for listening to the michael mccoy show here on sirius xm channel 145 slam radio we'll be back next week same time same place you guys stay safe and happy holidays the views and opinions expressed on the michael mccoy show are entirely those of the hosts guests and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of slam radio